Welcome to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope you are equipped by this message from Pastor Tom Lively. For more information about our church, please visit foundationchurchfl.com. As I've warned you before, if you're new in this place today, be ready. It's a cautious little golf laughter. <laughs> Sometimes we're just so not Pentecostal. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. It's fantastic. That's good, amen? Yeah. Amen. Who knows what I'm going to preach today? <laughs> I have a whole message series always written out before, but just like with the podcast, I go in there with somewhere between 80 and 110 slides. Last, well, yesterday, today's Sunday, right? Yeah, it's a little blurry. It's a little blurry right now. But... Last Saturday, I came in with, I don't know, 70 slides because it's a shorter show, 55, 55 minutes of fury. And I got to 17. <laughs> I have a tendency to talk in between the slides. But so who knows? Who knows what we're going to get to today? Well, let me start off with this, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 28 and 29, pretty much where we left off last week. It's funny because Christians don't think that there's any rules anymore, any prerequisites, any expectations. And you're like, Tom, we get those in here. We are a very unique body. And you need to understand that. And, there, and there's nothing wrong with saying it. We are a unique church. You won't find any other one like this around here. Now that sounds, it sounds arrogant. But it's not arrogant because all I mean by that is that we open up the Bible and we preach it. Amen. That's really all there is to it. Now, back in the day, and I know everybody says this when they walk to school both ways, uphill in a, in a blizzard, I know. But back in the day, you could, you could find a gospel preaching church. It was, it was I'm, I'm talking about 80s and 90s, you could find early 2000s, you could find it. They were still unique. But as society goes further and further away from the fear of God, things, things do somewhat get worse, but it's actually on a percentage basis. It's not like all things are gone and all things are horrible. It's just more things are horrible. Amen? So now there's just less, there's less, less churches that will just open up the Bible and preach it. Why? It's because of what I've been saying over the last six weeks, the consequences of telling the truth. People would rather abide in lies than deal with the consequences of actually telling the truth. Here's the thing. There's, are there consequences to telling the truth? Yes, but they're far less than telling lies. Lies may bring a temporal, a temporal peace, a temporal acceptance, a temporal accommodation, a temporal tolerance. But it's very temporal because God won't, won't abide in them. If you look at the six things the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him, most of them, the greatest percentage has to do with deception. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, 
Feet that are quick to rush into evil heart that devises wicked schemes, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. Most of them have to do with lies, and you can lie from the pulpit too. See how scary we are? Because nobody on earth says people lie from the pulpit except for me and a few others. You can lie, you can lie through obfuscation. You can lie through commission, or you can, you can uh, uh, lie through, you can lie through omission. Either way, if you, if you are cutting off verses to keep people in the building, you're lying to them. If you're, not, if you're not preaching turn or burn, you're lying to them. They're gonna find out anyway. And it's like I said a moment ago, there's temporal comfort in abiding in those lies. There's temporal comfort, but there certainly won't be on the day of judgment. And here's the thing, there's a mighty harvest to reap of both good and evil. And it starts the moment that you decide which one you're gonna follow. There's a harvest. So it may in the moment appear to be the right thing to look at, you know, we're growing as a church. Listen, all I've done is be mean for the last 17 years, and we've still grown. <laughs> we've still grown. Is this the, and according to, it's, it's in accordance to the terms of what is mean and, and what is not today. I mean, if you think about it, people think of things as harsh today as voice inflections. Or yelling. Oh, that's really harsh. Or fervence. Man, that's harsh. Cutting, cutting right to the chase. That's harsh. So I warn people about coming to counsel with me because I'm not going to sit there and enable you to stay in chains. You may never come back to the church again, but at least you will know for a snippet of time what is the truth. You will know when you come and talk to me because we're gonna open up the Bible. You will know. You have a chance to be free. And that's what we do here. But harsh today is, you know what, he just, man, he just spoke it like it was. That's harsh to you? If, we, if you compare it to biblical times where Jesus made a whip of cords and drove them all out of the temple in John chapter 2, verse 15, the stoning of Stephen, harsh back then was stoning. Harsh today is an emoji with a frown. <laughs> or my favorite, the puke emoji, which I like to put on things all the time. <laughs> oh man, he's awfully harsh. How's that harsh? How's it harsh that I yelled at you? Back in the day, it was harsh. You got kicked out of the synagogue. You got stoned. You died. He burned you alive. Now today, it's emojis. We've gone downhill a little bit. Need to be stronger in the house of God today. Be ready for what I tell you because I'm telling you right now, there are requisites in the Word of God. There are expectations. There are doing things right and there are doing things wrong. There's doing church right and there's doing church wrong. There's doing marriage right and there's doing marriage wrong. There's parenting right and parenting wrong. You actually tell people, Tom, that they're parenting wrong? Yeah. 
without hesitation. If they ask, most don't ask. After what I say up here, nobody comes up to me and asks me, hey, what do you think of my parenting, Tom? You already know, you already know what's going on with your parenting. If, if, if your kids don't listen to a word you say and everybody going out of your house is not saved, you did something wrong. See, one right and one yep. Great, listen, I love the Christians that are broken and contrite. Seriously, I don't care, I, I don't care how much you've messed up your life even. I know that sounds bad, and I'm not saying that I reflect God's heart. I'm just saying this is how I feel. I love the Christians, of course, God loves the broken and contrite also, but I'm just saying, I love the Christians who say, you know what? Yeah, you know what? I screwed up my kids' lives bad. I did it. I love that. I'm not saying that it, it, that it would have been, been, been better for you to have done it right. I'm not saying that that wouldn't be the better course. But now, wherever you are at, say what's true. I Listen, you're looking at a man standing before you today. Yes, I have the microphone, but I'm telling you, I've screwed up my life. I've screwed up my kids' lives to some extent. I've definitely not been a perfect husband. I've not been a perfect father. But I just admit those things. What's the point of hiding from a God who sees through your soul? What's the point? So all the Christians are fooled? Well, in my Christian community, everybody thinks I'm top flight. Who cares? God already knows you're not, and none of us are top flight anyway. He's not a respecter of persons. It's not like here's the upper echelon and here's the lower echelon. So we just break out the truth here. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom, remember where we were 20 minutes ago when I started talking. Hebrews 12, 28 and 29. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and offer our God as a consuming fire. So there, this written to the church in Jerusalem, God is telling them through the voice of the Holy Ghost in Scripture, through, through Paul's writing, there's an acceptable way to worship, Christian. No, everything's acceptable once you're saved. That's not what it says. You really, does, it, does everyone believe that? That it's just, if you're saved, then everything becomes acceptable? Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Have you surrendered your life? Then it's not an acceptable act of worship if you haven't said to God. How many of us, don't raise your hands, how many of us are the Lord of our lives right now? You know it's you. I didn't say whether you're saved or not. I didn't say whether you're going to heaven or hell or not. I got to look at more of you in the front row because I kind of look over you. I want you to look at you too. You know your Lord. And say you're going to hell. I just said you know that you're Lord. You'll take Jesus. You stop sinning. Maybe. You'll stop sinning, but Jesus, see how quiet it is in here? This is a great church. We're way above average. We're way above average in every way. Seriously. The reason why we're above average is that you are endlessly prodded and goaded. <laughs> But you already know who's Lord. You, you accept it to, to some degree. If you're, if you're solid and rudimentary faith, you're like, you know, I'm not going to go into sin. 
But you know your Lord, and the fruit shows it. You know that it's true. This is what I do with myself. You guys think that I don't hold myself accountable to this? I'll, tell, I'll, make, I'll make you more relaxed because you see the faces. I'm looking at the faces. And everybody looks like they're in a line to get an enema right now. Proctologist preacher. <laughs> I'll make you feel better. There are areas of my life where I am Lord. It's not going to cut it. Is that you? Are you going to lay it down? I'm laying it down. Are you going to lay it down? Some of you are like, I'm just moody. That's how I am. You're Lord. It's not what God says for you to be. He says for you to take captive every thought. Today's a dark day. Today's a light day. Today's I've got to take a mental health day. That's not God. This is the day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. There's no dark day. We're going to talk about the power of life and death being in the tongue in a moment. You ready? Because that's going to pound some of you into submission. For some of you, that's, you oh, I'm fine, you know, I'm not going to lust or lie, but I'm going to say whatever I want. The fruit shows it. Because where's the miracles? Where's the power? Where's the lost being found? Where's your wealth? Where's the money? Show me the money. Oh, man, a health and wealth preacher? Of course, because the health and wealth is the Bible. I'm a health and wealth preacher because health and wealth is the Bible. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. How could it be any clearer? Second Corinthians 8, 9. Well, why am I not rich, Tom? Well, we can start at tithing. And this is, again, a great church, above average tithing church right here. Preaching to the choir, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to go after the 30 or 40% of you that don't tithe. 30 per 40, 40 or 50% of this church doesn't tithe? Absolutely right. What are you thinking? And, and your poorness shows, well, I'm not really poor. You are, you just don't know it. Oh, you're talking about spiritual poor. No, I never talk like that. I never get into hypotheticals and, and mysteries shrouded in mist. I mean, you could be a millionaire right now, but God's called you to be a billionaire, but, but because you don't tithe, you stay a millionaire. Well, it's good enough. Oh, that, that's a great attitude. Good enough. Is, is that the Bible? Exceedingly, abundantly, above all you ask or think. And most Christians, oh, that's good enough. That's the way most Christians are. Oh, that's good enough. Enough is enough. Really? Not for me. Not for me. Well, you know, riches are a dangerous thing. I have the needle. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. He, weren't, he wasn't even speaking to saved rich people, by the way. We want to end world hunger. What are you going to do, burp it into existence? <laughs> ah, that's the end of that. You're going to have to have money to end world hunger. You know how much it costs to feed people? It doesn't, it's not even the amount of food. You have to get through all the U.N., the U.S. State Department's red tape to even go feed people because they don't want people to live. It's the truth. They don't want people to live. They want personal power over people. 
and many will die because of that. That's all that it's about. They can't abort you in the womb. If they want to abort you in the womb, that you don't think they want to abort you outside the womb? That's why they're vaccinating kids that are six months old. I have a video that I pulled off of Twitter yesterday of these parents getting out of their cars in New York City, and there's a group of people begging them not to get their kids vaxxed. And the kids are, between the two of them, I think nine and two. Why would you do that? Because the abortionists are coming. No, they're not abortionists. These are, this is the medical community. Yeah, they're the abortionists. They're all the same. It's all the same spirit. You've got to get this. Tom, we watch the podcast. We hear you preach. I'm telling you, it's Christ or Antichrist. Holy Ghost or Antichrist spirit. It's one or the other. Every time. It's one or the other. People who are antithetical to freedom are of the Antichrist because Jesus came to set you free. So anything that is limiting the freedom of people, why would anybody want to limit somebody else's freedom unless you're some sort of pseudo-sexual sadomasochist? Because that's who they are. They're perverts. It all comes, it all comes together. Anybody watching the parades, that are the transgender parades? If it was about... If it was about Simply culture, why am I not preaching my message again? <laughs> if it was simply about culture, why wouldn't they just put a bunch of men in women's formal gowns and march them down the street saying transgender rules? Instead, they have men, I mean, and men that are in my club that never should be seen without a shirt club, walking down the street in tidy whities only that are drooping. Thank you, you're welcome. And twerking in front of, in front of, of children. And, and not only that, I, I'm giving them credit with tidy whities. They're bull faced naked. Walking down the road in front of kids with their parents going, look at us love. Look at us, look how tolerant we are. Look how moral we are. Look how loving we are. I allow my children to see naked people twerking in the streets because I'm just so liberal. I'm so open-minded. No, you're an idiot. You're a stupid idiot. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. If it was all about culture, then why the sexuality? For two reasons. It's to ingratiate kids into it, a mindset of this is okay, but that's not it. It's also to bring the kids into the actual sexual acts. That's what it's about. It's, you know it's coming. You can feel the wave. Why is Ghislaine Maxwell the only one in prison when there's a list of hundreds that are right there in the FBI's, in, in the FBI's file room? Because they gotta do just enough to look righteous. That's, that's always a, a really lovely stand in life. I want to look righteous, not be righteous. That's who these people are. You, you can just pick it anywhere you go. Which one is it, Antichrist spirit or Holy Ghost? You can tell, just like that. Because the one that's trying to kill and the one that's lying is the Antichrist spirit. If you have to conceal the development of your vaccine for 75 years, which spirit is it? I don't conceal anything. You wanna, you wanna really, if you wanna know what I make at this church and my salary, I'll tell you. 
you're stupid enough to get into that. I want to know what you make. First of all, I'll go, do you tithe? The answer is always no. The tither never asks questions like that. They don't care. Because they just know I've sown seed. No, ma no matter what, whenever I sow seed, and I make about half of what a pastor makes at a church this size. That's about what I make, just so you know. But a tither, don't finish my sentences, Ron. I'm good. Thank you. I'm really good without you. See, don't mess around in here. I don't care, honestly. But the tither never asks questions like that because they're broken and contrite before the Lord. They don't care. They don't even get into those things because their spirit is actually correct. Their mind is actually in the right place. Amen? That's the thing. I'm not, I, but I'll tell you, I'm not, I, I'm not afraid to, to be truly righteous, not appear to be righteous. That's why I'm transparent from the stage. I don't, I don't preach that I'm perfect. I preach that's what I'm shooting for. I, pray, I, I preach that I'm shedding chains. And that's what you should be doing also. There's an acceptable way to worship and there's an unacceptable. Right when we're playing music, there's an acceptable way to worship and an unacceptable way to worship. What's, what's an unacceptable way to worship if all the attention's going to you? That's why, that's why you won't see dramatic performances of worship in this church. Somebody up here with a flag. Somebody blowing a shofar. No. And I, some of you traditional Pentecostals, I just lost you for life. But here's the thing. Pentecost can be just as much a religion as Catholicism. And it is most, it is most of the time. Because there's most Pentecostal churches aren't growing. They're not winning the loss. They're not performing miracles. They just all sit around speaking in tongues and talk about what a great service it was as they've had 30 people for the last 30 years with not one miracle except for leg lengthening. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Some of you do. If you want to know more information, I'll tell you at the door. It can be just as religious that way. Oh, I'm, I'm gone now. Well, what's the fruit that says that you're right? Shofar blower. What's the, what's the fruit that you're correct? All the salvations? Where, where exactly are they? No, it's just an, it's a daily implosion of reading a book, feeling like you've grown, and never accomplishing anything. Oh, wow, that's new information. What does that mean? New information, what does that mean? They have no clue about the Bible, but they've read the, la the latest so-and-so's book. Amen? Oh, the depths and riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. De delve deep, dive deep into the Word of God. Instead of reading books about the Word of God because they, they tickle your ears. A lot of Christians, they just think, well, I just know the Bible. You don't know anything, and neither do I. <laughs> Honestly, you don't. Amen. So there's a way to, when, when the music's on, when we're playing the music, is there an acceptable way to worship? Is he standing there doing nothing? Expressionless? Well, that's how I felt today. So your feelings are your God. Go home and make some sort of an amalgam picture of that and worship it then. You can be one of those painters that paint while they're worshiping. Seeing some of those churches. 
the attention goes to them again. There's an acceptable way to worship. Coming in and abiding in your feelings is not an acceptable way to worship. I just don't feel it today. Well, that just isn't my song. You think, you think God's going to be asking you in heaven, oh, is this your song before we play it? <laughs> do, you, do you feel it? <laughs> no. You worship now. There's songs I love. There's song, if Aaron starts to sing all the earth, I'm going through the roof. I just love it. But no matter what, I'm worshiping. No matter what. There's an acceptable way to worship, then it's unacceptable. There are rules. Oh, it's not about rules. Where's that in the Bible? What verse is that? It's not about rules. The entire Bible's rules. There's nothing wrong with rules. I don't, it's the same sort of spirit, again, antichrist spirit or Holy Ghost, you can always tell, of people who want to defund the police. But then call 911. There's no rules, except for the ones that keep me safe, but I'm still gonna attack those rules. I hate the military. Oh, the military that keeps you safe? The only reason why you have a right to hate the military is because of the military. See, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't poke bears. I wanna I want make diesel fuel as expensive as I can. Why would you do that? Your entire life depends on trucking. Liberal, Democrat, swamp Republican. And you're gonna make fuel as expensive? Where do you think those coffee beans at Starbucks are coming from that you depend on every day because you're a caffeine addict? It's not even people who are caffeine addicts. They're actually coffee cup addicts. Everyone carries around a coffee. It's like that's a stylistic thing. <laughs> Everybody, yeah. I don't even know if there's anything in there. Where do you think it comes from? The very people you're attacking. Every comfort that all of these people have that are trying to destroy the economy, do they not realize all those comforts are gone when they attack the very thing that provides their comforts? I, I purposely make myself not get mad at truckers even if they cut me off. Love you truckers, thank you. Because you have my chicken wings. You are, you are the possessor of pizza dough. You're bringing it to all the restaurants. I loveth thou, trucker. I don't poke the bear. Stroke the bear. Like you. Darn right. I don't I don't attack that which provides me comfort and safety. Amen. 
Where am, what am I preaching about today? Does anybody know? <laughs> yeah, pizza. Pizza and chicken wings. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm at the hotel last night where Tommy was fighting, and I go there to eat at their restaurant. What do I get? Chicken wings. <laughs> you can get anything else. There's a full menu there. It's a nice hotel. Chicken wings. Amen. Let me tell you what's not acceptable worship. The victimhood, woe is me, Christian. Oh, Tom, you're not very compassionate. That's right. Compassion's not in the Bible. It's in there a little bit, but overall the message is not compassion. The message is preach the word, and that is compassion. The woe is me. God, here is my sin, but not me, Christian. Here's my sin, Lord, but not me. I'm not going to offer myself to you, but here's my soul. God doesn't see it that way. How do you know that? When people, when people say there are no rules, there are no expectations, there's no acceptable or unacceptable, God takes me as I am. Who told you that? There's songs, all the Christian songs on 88.1. God takes me as I am, beautiful the mess I am. God sees our mess and he loves our mess. No, he doesn't. He hates your mess. God hates things. Don't say that, Tom. I'm not saying it. Jesus said it. Jesus is the word, and the word says it. Yada's not sitting there going, oh, I just love how moody you are on a Monday. I take you just as you are. Somebody says. says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's not I take you as you are. It's an endless transformation. That's the problem in most marriages, by the way. Now I'll get quiet in here, watch. Everyone tries to stare forward then, especially the husbands. You just stop. Well, and you start calling each other names like old lady, an old man. I've never called my wife that. I, I got married for the romance of it. I didn't get married to call my wife an old lady. Get to talk to the old lady. That's a good way to stay celibate. Which most of you are well aware of. This <laughs> Is it you stop the moment you get married? You got married, and you're like, it's done. It's no more romance, no more. I mean, you, a lot of guys, see, guys struggle anyway. Guys think that you're gonna attract a woman when they walk by by going, woohoo! That's all they have. That's all they're in their arsenal. That's all they have in their arsenal. Like, no woman likes that. So you're already, you're, the odds are already stacked against you because you think that works. But you go in, and I'm going to pick on the women too. Don't worry, it's coming. The hair thing's coming. I haven't preached it in six months. I watch it. I time it out. I know, I know it's repetitive. And they just stop. You did everything. You used, to, you used to grab her by the hands, and you tell her you love her, and all those things, and spend time with her. You would actually, when she walked in the room, she took priority over the screen in the room. But once you got married, no more. 
Everybody gets fat. <laughs> See, I kept rules. It's going to bother some of you, so be ready. <laughs> when I was dating Hope, I'm going to try to keep this as clean as I can, but when I was dating Hope, I never let anything emanate out of my body in her presence. You get it? Okay. I would be holding it all night long. Okay. <laughs> Maybe a few test fires to test the ramifications, but I mean, other than that, nothing. And I can remember one time I dropped her off at her house. <laughs> And I'd be like, oh, thank God. <laughs> I've, got to, I've got to release the floodgates. <laughs> and so she, all right, no, no, I love you. Okay, see you. And I'm driving down the driveway. And I'm like, all right, yes. And I'll just say that there was a spirit in the air and it wasn't the Holy Ghost. So anyway, so, but hope comes running back down the driveway. Wait, uh, no, no, get back in there. Get in there. So I cracked the window about a half an inch. Can I help you with something? While the car's still moving. I'm trying to tell you something. I'm trying to tell you something. Just pray on it, pray on it. Ask the Lord to send it in as a messenger tonight. Send a messenger angel to me instead. But you see, I've held on to that my whole life. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that. I've, we've been married now, we'll be, it'll be 26 years in December. I hold on to that stuff. I don't wanna ruin it. I, I, I want to be looked at as a sex object for my wife. Not as a gas supply from either end. I hold my weight in check. I make sure that it doesn't get too bad for her. It, 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 just because I've secured the relationship, like you've secured a relationship in Jesus as long as you don't fall back into a lifestyle of sin, it's not over. Why are, you, why, are you not rom why are you not romanticizing your relationship with God anymore? Why, why are you not sowing romanticism into your relationship with God? What happened? Why, why did it stop? See, it's human inclination. As I said, it's antichrist or Holy Spirit. It's carnal or it's spirit too. Which one is it? Here it comes, ladies. When you're like, you know what? Between the juice boxes, fruit roll-ups, and baseball practices, I just don't have time. Let me just lop off all my hair. It's just easier, it's just easier. Is that a, that a marital sort of thought process? See how quiet it gets in here? 
It's just easier. How, how did that fit into your, when you were dating, is that what you said? I really want to impress her and the way that you impress her. It's just easier. Maybe, maybe when you were dating, you used to serve your future husband. But now it's just serve the kids. And he's on his own. You ever, you ever read the priority of Scripture? Basically, what you're supposed to do with your kids, to sum up, is to train them up in the way that they should go. Right? Train them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. And don't, and don't stir them up to wrath. So don't be a hypocrite. Those of you whose kids have walked away from the Lord, it's because of hypocrisy. Just so you know. That's what it is. No, no, no. I was reading all these books about Jesus and they just somehow, I, don't, I just lost them. No, it was hypocrisy. You're just not honest with yourself. But what's the, rela- what, what, what's the relationship between parent and child versus spouse and spouse? Which one's here and which one's here? But what, what, what is it in America? The opposite. Antichrist spirit. Child number one. We will give up everything for our children. You, a lot of people right now, you think that's an attribute. It is not an attribute. To give up everything for your kids. Because all that you are teaching them is that I am a golden idol. Hypocrisy. They became number one. I've told you this before. You're like, Tom, you beat this dead horse. I'm beating it again. I see one parent after another leave the church with their kids to go play sports. And I'm going to reiterate this to you. You're in Northport, Florida. Chances are you're white. Tom, you know. I know nobody else preaches this. I know. I have nothing to lose. I'm already a racist in the eyes of the world. I'm as far from racist as you possibly can be, but that's what everybody calls me because I refuse to acknowledge CRT or any other garbage. So here's the thing. You're in Northport, Florida. The average height of a man in this room is 5'9". So to sum up, you basically are 5'9 and white, and everybody believes that their child is going to be a professional athlete. People think that's right. Am I running down the black community? No, hey, I'm, I'm sorry, but if you look at the NFL, the NBA, and the only reason why hockey isn't, isn't dominated by the black athlete is because the black, black athlete doesn't want to dominate hockey for some reason. Sorry, it's just the way it is. I, listen, I played college football. 80% of the men in that room were black and were faster than me. It's not racism. They were just as smart. So it's, op- it's actually the opposite. If you want to arrest somebody in the hood at night, who do you arrest? Who are you looking for? The black guy? No. So that's racial profiling. That's correct. When I work in the hood as a law enforcement, as a cop in Sarasota, Martin Luther King Boulevard, who are you looking for? Yeah, the white guy driving through there in a Honda Civic at 3 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) 
He's in there buying dope. So parents trying to live vicariously through their kids throw away the gospel of Jesus for a dream that they have. Someday, everybody's gonna know that I'm his dad. He's 5'9", he's white, and someday he's gonna be the, ta- the tailback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Not one white running back in the NFL outside of a fullback. That's why all the white people run to baseball. Good luck with that too. Just like that, kids become number one. You shouldn't be number one. Your wife should be number one right after Jesus. Amen. Leave it. Jesus, of course, will just leave that right there. There's the requisite. He's number one. But after that, it's your wife. It's your spouse. But instead, women lop off their hair, trade it in for minivans, fruit roll-ups, and, and juice boxes. I don't have time to. I don't have time to make myself look good. I've got a lot to do today. Yeah, you do. You got time. You know what? Cancel things for your kids. They don't have to do all those things. They don't have to play baseball 11 months out of the year. They really don't. They're not going to be professionals anyway. And I know, oh, I knew somebody. Yeah, everybody knows somebody who became a professional, whatever. But what are the odds? And is it worth trading in your entire life over? I've seen parents do it for volleyball, baseball, football, remote control yacht practice. I made that one up. I saw a woman give up church so that she could go with a bunch of other people every weekend to go and and train dogs for no money. And, and nobody was hiring the dogs they were training. So what's the point? You have a dog that can find raccoons in the woods? Who needs that? My dog finds raccoons in the woods too. He finds them, mauls them. While I'm screaming at him to stop from 100 yards away, yes, me and my dog were in perpetual trials. Female dogs, so much easier. <laughs> it's true. But he's very sweet. He's a sweet boy. But don't be a possum. Don't be a raccoon, because you have no chance. So there's acceptable and unacceptable. The God here is my sin. Yeah, we're still there. I don't forget where I'm at. But not me. See, if you really, you know what? You would actually, a lot of Christians all the time, they want to be noticed. Oh, that's easy for you to say, Tom, because you're the one with the mic. You need to go back and trace my history and what I once was. I got saved when I was 18. I didn't start pastoring until I was 36. 18 years I put in. 18 years. I didn't didn't even know I was ever going to pastor a church. I had no idea. If you would have asked me, as I've told you before, when I was in speech class at UCF, there's 30 people in the class, I couldn't stand in front of people. I shook violently. I got to fail my first speech because I had to sit down in the middle of it. I never, you never would have told me I was going to preach in front of hundreds of people or even thousands of people. I had no idea that that would ever happen. I just, I just put shots on goal. I grinded. 
I don't want to jump ahead of this message. But I'm just telling you, I don't care whether you're a guitar player, piano player, nursery worker. If you don't sow seed into that work and you don't do it excellently, you're going absolutely nowhere. I'm pining for the mic. I'm pining for the mic. I'm pining for the mic. God will see to it. You never get it. I never pine for the mic. I've told you this a million times. I'm a solitary person. I don't even enjoy attention from human beings. This doesn't mean I don't appreciate kind words. I do. But I certainly do not crave the attention of humanity. Oh, this and oh, and I don't. I don't. And neither should you, by the way, and that's what's holding you back. But will you let it go? I have to be noticed. Do the exact opposite. Humble yourselves in the sight of God. And in due season, he'll lift you up. 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. Casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. That's the whole verse. The God here is my sin, but not me, is not acceptable worship. Oh, God here. I mean, I want you to think about that. How many of you have ever received horrible gifts? I'm looking at facial expressions now because, again, people like to look forward on that time too because most of the wives are thinking, yes, from my husband. <laughs> An iron on Christmas morning. Oh, it's not an iron. It also has a steam mechanism on it. <laughs> it steams. Oh, that's great. Another long night for you, bud. <laughs> but that's what people do to God. Lord, here is all my garbage, but not anything that's good about me. Not my sense of humor. Not my talent, not my time, not my money, but here's all of my sin. Where do you get this from? Isaiah 43, 24. You have not bought any fragrant calamus for me or lavished on me the fat of your sacrifices, but you have burdened me with your sins and wearied me with your offenses. I'm offended. God doesn't care. And nor does the person you're offended by. They're sleeping like a baby at night while you sit there with your eyes wide open with your heart pounding through your chest. I'm so mad. They don't care. But God says it right here. There's an acceptable way to worship and there's an acceptable and there's an unacceptable way. Unacceptable, here's all my sins but not me. Or it, it, but a lot of times people are, well, here I am. I am giving God me. You're giving him all the lousy parts. Here's my depression. And you should give those to God. But what about all the good stuff? Where's the money? Tom's after my money. I'm not. I'm not after your money. I have everything I need. I preach you the, I preach you the, uh, I've told you this before. I don't know if I was preaching it to you, but I've told you this before. I don't need to preach. I want to preach. I'm, I'm retired. I have a full retirement out of FRS, all in the bank. Pulled all my money. They don't even control it. I don't need it. I preach because I want to preach. I preach because I love to preach. I'm not after your money. I'm after your freedom to set you free. Do you know that that's the calling? If you look at Ephesians chapter 4, 8 all the way through 16, therefore he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. 
Now this he ascended, what does it mean? That he, but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. Now he who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. That he called some to be pastors, prophets, evangelists. I'll just sum up with that. For what? For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. I'm here to set you free. Not after your money. Don't need it. Don't desire it. You give me a, a good car, a good house, plenty of wrongly prepared meat and dough, I'm good. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. John 4, 23. So there's a true worshiper and there's a false worshiper. Do you worship him in spirit and truth? What does it mean? Do you, do you hold back? Do you say, you know what? There are parts of my life that I am holding back. Lord, you cannot have that. It's not spirit and truth. It's unacceptable worship. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness out of the Beatitudes, out of the Sermon of the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5, 3 through 10. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. There's a right and there's a wrong. There's a list of do's and there's a list of don'ts. Accept it. Anybody who tells you that, they're the ones who are actually legalistic. Because the Bible is a long list of do's, don'ts, and rules. There's nothing wrong with it. So we've been talking about going to the next level. What does it mean? What does it mean to go to the next level? I don't care how old you are in here. Honestly, because I have my finger on the pulse of the modern church, I can tell you unequivocally right now, it doesn't matter how old you are, your best days are ahead of you. Because here's the thing. Now, that may sound lofty and ambiguous, but it is not. Because it's actually mean what I'm saying. What do I mean? Because from your performance up till now, there's no way it can't get better. Not in this church. And this is from a man who's 53 years old. And I've already told you, oh, he just thinks so much of himself. I don't. How many times have I told you that I've wasted most of my Christian life? I got saved when I was 18, pretty much wasted till I was 30, wasted till I was 40. Were you out carousing, Tom? No. No. Only woman I've ever slept with is my wife. I'm not out carousing. I, wasn't out. I was just consumed with self with no fruit. And, and by the way, my fruit at that time, and I'm not trying to sound arrogant, dwarfed most of the Christians I knew. I would start groups. And my, my, well, all you got to do, if you want to have ministry, is grab. <laughs> Heather knows something is coming that's not right. So here you want to you want, you have a successful ministry in a college, what do you do? UCF, University of Central Florida, me, 1987 to 92. Yeah, I was on the five-year plan. <laughs> you want to have a successful Bible study? You grab the quarterback of the football team who's the hottest man on the planet. I don't care he is. You might, oh, what are you, gay, Tom? No, he's handsome. He's handsome. He's beautiful. <laughs> beautiful man. I don't care. I watch Hallmark movies. I'm like, that's a good-looking man. 
I'll tell you at the door, you're a good looking man. I did. I went up to Pastor, Pastor Hank at the river. Don't let me forget UCF Bible study. Aaron remembers everything. Seriously, everything. But I went up to Pastor Hank at the river. He pastors a church on the other coast. He's a guy that I talk to all the time. Great, great man, great man of God. He's, he's freaking handsome. I was just looking at him, I'm like, man, he's got great hair. I turned to Hope. I said, that's a good looking man right there. He's got great hair. I don't care. But what you do is you grab a hold of that quarterback. He was a decent Christian. Not the greatest in the world, but decent. Grab a hold of him. You're going to fill that place. All the girls are there. If the girls are there, all the guys are there. I got my church. Upon this rock, I will build my church. My rock was a handsome man. (laughs) Seriously. Pretty easy. They weren't there for me. (laughs) So if you want to go to the next level, what is it going to take? Everybody in here is called to high calling, not attending. You're like, Tom, don't you want us to attend the church? Yeah, because you, you have to do that. But that's not the end of it. This is to empower you into ministry. Amen. Well, what's the first step? Well, you know what the first step would be is to actually socialize with Christians. Well, I don't, I don't really like to do that. That's why you're an impulsive wonder. You're going to go to the Christian bookstore on Monday. Well, you don't do that anymore. Now you can just order it all. Get your Kindle. Uh, order, order another book from who so and so, and read it, and feel like you're accomplishing things. You got to be in there with people, and this is from a person who's not. I mean, I'm a people person, but I'm not a real people person. I'm not a sunshine guy, and neither are you. Most of you, there's a few in this church. I can tell you who they are, but there's not many of you. Most of you are struggling with your feelings and emotions and dark days and good days, just like me. You want to pretend like you're, a, like you're a sunshine person, but you're not. So you got to get in there and deal with people. You mean the people who badmouth me? Yes. Who are you going to minister to? Basically everybody, I'm talking about literally everyone that Jesus ministered to contributed to him being nailed to a cross. Didn't I, the girl says to Peter, the rugged, tough fisherman, hauling up thousands of pounds of fish and nets every day of his life with muscles bulging everywhere. Didn't you follow Jesus, says the girl? (laughs) Effing no. (laughs) You gotta get in, and Peter basically helped Jesus go to the cross. You gotta get in there with those people. But I get bad mouth behind my back. Who doesn't? Well, I don't because I'm super nice. You're the one they're bad mouthing the most. Let me just say this to you too because I've been saying this on the podcast for the last couple of weeks. It is not your job as a Christian to be the world's nicest human. What? That's, that is the bedrock. That's, that's the church I built. My, that's the rock I built my church upon. It's not the Bible though. The world's nicest human, the world's most tolerant person, the world's most accommodating 
The world's most, the, the, the foremost of trying to amass people to come together, that's not what you're called to do. You're called to be a vessel. I'm not talking about being rude or arrogant to people. I never am. It may appear that way sometimes from the stage, but if you deal with me anywhere, I am very nice to everybody. Seriously. Always. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it, sir. Open the doors, close the doors, whatever. Whatever it may be. I'm not talking about being rude or arrogant or purposely nasty, but I'm, not, I'm talking about not sacrificing the truth at the altar of accommodation. Oh, look at us, love. We're so accommodating. We're so tolerant. No, you're, you're 1 Corinthians 5.13, where you're supposed to be expelling the wicked man from among you. That's love. God is love, 1 John 4.16, right? Jesus is God, and Jesus is the word. Therefore, the Bible is love. Why are you not preaching it, master of love? Because your version of love trumps the Bible, which is love. So what are you preaching? Heresy and idolatry from the pulpit. That's why altar calls no longer have the word repentance in them anymore. Because that would offend people. So you're unoffending them straight to hell. They never even know to turn from their sin. You're welcome. Next level means drastic change. Who in this building will actually make drastic change in your life? I mean, drastic. Crickets. Crickets. What would God ask me to do? Why do you care, pot? Why is the pot talking to the potter? That, that's not Americanized Christianity. That's correct. He's the worshiped. You're the worshiper. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. But you don't humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, so he'll lift you up either. You don't seek ye first the kingdom of God so that he'll add everything unto you. That's also bad worship, false worship, unacceptable worship. I'm talking about drastic change. How you act, your facial expressions, what you do in a day. See how quiet it is in here? See, because I'm, I'm trampling upon your boundaries. Jesus, listen, let's, let's come together. You, you falsely say Isaiah 118, come down, let us reason together, says the Tom instead of says the Lord. Let's go reason together. See how quiet it is in here? There's no laughter anymore because now I'm trampling on you. I set the boundaries. How many of you will say, Lord, you know what? Well, what if he asked me to do that? Why do you care? If he's asking you to do it, then that would be the happiest place in your life. Amen. No matter what it is. Amen. No matter what. But listen, we're giving it the golf clap. Mm, oh, mm, yes. <laughs> Get me to Starbucks as quick as we can. Maybe if, you, maybe if I clap, he'll preach shorter. But how many of us will really take drastic action? Drastic, big action. We'll get into it. It's 11.47. We'll be out of here by 2.30. <laughs> at the latest, at the very latest, 2.30. For those of you who are new, I'm kidding. 
225, you're out. Mm. <laughs> Let's start with how you talk. <laughs> you really, you should see the facial expressions that I say. <laughs> now it looks like you're in the middle of an enema. You're not in a line for an enema. You're in the middle of an enema. How do you talk? Is it important? Look at me now. It's everything. How you talk is everything for a myriad of reasons, and I'll show you what they are. Matthew 12, 37, kind of important. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Whoops. Well, you know, I was born Italian. I was born Hungarian. I was born this, I was born whatever, with this heritage or that heritage, and that's just how we are. That's lies. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, except if you're Lord. 2 Corinthians 5.17. I added in, except if you're a Lord part. So by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your mouth that you, that you confess. It is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. The verse before, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Romans 10, 9, and 10. It's kind of important what you say, is it not? How many of you have been taught it doesn't matter? You won't admit it. How many of you live like it doesn't matter? How many of you talk like it doesn't matter? I hear you all the time. I hear people at the door. I'm like, don't say that. <laughs> well, that's just the way it goes. That's just the luck in our family. You just heaped a curse on yourself. You opened the door to the devil to bless you. And his blessings are curses. Because of what you said. Do you realize the devil cannot see your heart? They only can figure out by how you act and what you say. You're giving them evidence with your mouth. That's the way it always works out for us. Christians always call things small. Well, it's just a small little thing we're doing. Okay, that's exactly what it will be for life. For life. You will never hear me call this church small. Ever. I saw a jet flying through the air in the middle of the night, walking, I walk at all hours of the night. In between my dog's vicious attacks on possums and raccoons. In between my screaming fits at him. And I saw a jet flying through the air, a private jet, and I said, you know what, I need one of those. That's how I think. That's how I think. Oh, there's another one of those jet set preachers. Darn right. I don't, I don't care what you think. I know what the Bible says. He he, Jesus became poor so that I could become rich, and I'm going to go, no thanks. You want to do that? By the way, what's your believing is heresy, and you're prideful, and you're arrogant. Oh, I'm gonna, and you don't do anything for the poor. See, I believe, I believe in prosperity, and we give tens of thousands of dollars to the poor in this church. 
because we believe what the Bible says. You, on the other hand, if it applies to you, don't give anybody anything in the name of your moral fortitude. That isn't the Bible. The tongue has the power, Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death. Well, that just means, you know, figuratively speaking and, and spiritually. No! How many people have died in 20, through, from 2020 to halfway through 2022? 27 months to 15 days to flatten the curve. In the 28th month of 15 days to flatten the curve by the power of the tongue. You need to take this vaccine. You need to lock down. You need to put a mask on your face that traps the very viruses that you need to exhale and makes you actually inhale them deeper than you would if they were flying freely in the air. How many people have died with the power of the tongue? Locked down, alone, committing suicide. Suicide rate through the roof, all through the power of the tongue. Nobody forced them. Not here. I know another place that, and there's not a soul in America that couldn't have just not locked down. Jonathan Shuttlesworth talks about it all the time. You would always hear the threats. Even in New York, the epicenter of the virus. We're coming tomorrow to lock down the church. They never did it. They're afraid of people like us. We have a wall of fire around us. They're scared of us. I'm not coming in here. They lock it down again. You think Northport PD is going to come and close us down? There'd be angels standing out there with swords of fire. They're not shutting anything down. But you can see just what the tongue did. You must be vaxxed. You must lock down. You must mask. You, they just created six feet social distance. Scott Gottlieb admitted it, the heretic vaccine pimping whore that he is on the Pfizer board. He admitted it. We just made it up six feet. And everybody just by, oh, because Scott Gottlieb said it. Anthony Fauci said it. Deborah Burke said it. Petros said it. Petros, the guy who's in charge of the World Health Organization, who comes from a third world country and ran a terrorist organization, that guy, who's never, has never seen a, a patient in his life just like Fauci, who walks around with his stethoscope, oh my gosh. <laughs> Fauci standing behind basement Biden, the stethoscope, who, who, whose chest are you gonna press that against today, Anthony? You haven't seen a patient ever in your life. This is liars. But that tongue has the power of life and death. Those parents pulling their two-year-old and their nine-month-old out of their, of course, minivans with juice boxes and fruit roll-ups. In New York City, yesterday, to go get their kids vaccinated against a virus that's no threat to them, you talk to the medical community, a child at that age has basically a hyperthymus. Their, their, their immune system is just dangerous. 
They're unaffected by the virus. They're seven to 20 times more likely to die of the flu. And here come these idiots. They got the, they got the perfect baby car- carriage. Everybody's perfectly dressed with the, with the $50,000 minivan. It's probably a hybrid. Don't want to let out the emissions. And they come, they're going to vaccinate their kids based on the power of the tongue. With a vaccine that the very company who developed it doesn't want you to know how they developed it. A vaccine that's a gene manipulating therapy, a gene altering ther- therapy for life. In Australia, they are birthing kids at the, at, at, with the numbers being 300. I'm trying to think of the exact verbiage for you, but I can't think of it right now. The numbers being 3,400 a week of kids who have no immune system at the rate. At the rate of 3,400. Why? Why are they birthing them now? Strange, isn't it? 27 months and 15 days to flatten the curve. When did everybody start getting vaxxed? Somewhere in the neighborhood of 12 to 15 months ago. And all those babies are being born because their parents' genes have been altered. And what do you pass on to your kids? Your genes. You doubt this? You doubt, pull it up online today when you get home. Right-wing conspiracy. It wasn't even a right-wing paper. This is the Daily Mail Australia, which is right-wing, but it's, I mean, there's no way to deny it. It's put out by their own CDC. They used to have 350 a week. Now it's 3,000 a week, 3,500 a week. Born without an immune system because their parents don't have an immune system, all from the power of the tongue. Take this vaccine. Why? Explain to me how it's beneficial. No, just take it. That's the power of the tongue then. There's no evidence. There's no theology or philosophy. It's just the power of the tongue. You will take it. You will call him or her and she a him. No, I will not. It's just the power of the tongue. But the tongue has the power of life and death. And by the way, most follow it. Narrows the way. Few are like us. Few are like us. Don't be frustrated by it. Just try to add to our numbers. Most will reject you. It's part of the game. You know how many people walk out of here? I do it all the time. People who come to me for counsel, they, most of the time I never see them again. It's part of the game. It's, not, it's you, Tom. It's not, no, it's the Bible that does it. Let me, let me finish or head towards the end with this. I want to talk about creation. Psalm 33, 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. So by, how did God create? Listen to this. By the word of the Lord, how did God create the heavens? He spoke it. He spoke it. How did he create the earth? He spoke it. Well, that's God. And all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Well, what does that have to do with me? Well, let's look. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Which blessings? 
That's not loud enough. Which blessings? Every. So if God created the heavens with his mouth and with his breath created the angels, and then he gave you all of his abilities, what are you supposed to be doing with your mouth? Creating. But most people don't create with their mouth. They destroy with their mouth. Because by the way, God can do that with his mouth too. Even the unsaved, if you look at Romans chapter 1, 18 through 32, even the unsaved have an essence of God. They create with their tongue, they destroy with their tongue, just like he does. We're created in his There you go. Mark chapter 13, 32 through 37. But on that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the son, but only the father. Tom, you're talking about end times? No, but we can always list that way. Take heed, watch, and pray, for you do not know when the time is. Now listen, if you, if you take that verse, Ephesians chapter 5, I'm saying this for a reason when it comes to the tongue, pay close attention. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. When you hear about end times, that's not a moment for you to hear ominous music. It's an opportunity. You hear about the end times because the, the, the time is speeding up. Your best days are ahead because of this. You should be like, yes, rejoice, for my redemption draweth nigh. Here's the thing. And it's not just, now, now the weak, God, here is my sin, but not me, Christian. They'll go, hallelujah, my redemption draweth nigh, and I'll do nothing. No, you got to look at it as an entrepreneur. In all ways, the time is speeding up. This is the greatest opportunity of my life. I'm glad for the 27 months of 15 days to flatten the curve that are rushing us towards the mark of the beast because this is a great opportunity in these end years for me to prosper, for me to win the loss, for me to be empowered, for me to operate in the miraculous because God is going to grow me faster if I will just yield myself to him. Not waiting for heaven, oh, my redemption draweth nigh, and then I'll be happy. No, now this is eternal life that they may know you the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's eternal life, John 17, 3. Not heaven. You're not even staying in heaven for forever either. You'll be right back here. Christians have no idea what the Bible says. That's why they're so miserable and don't actually win anybody to their miserable faith. Who would want it? The God who's great when you're dead. Man, he's great. You know, I know that you're suffering with tumors right now, but man, once you're dead, God's gonna, you're gonna really love God. This is the, be very careful then how you live. What does that mean? It means be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. This is the opportunity of a lifetime, sped up time. This is great. Going on with Mark, Mark chapter 32 through 37, verse 33. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority. Now we're back to the tongue. Gave authority. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. The God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. Calls things. Romans 4, 17. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. And it says right here, it is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants. And to each his work commanded the doorkeeper. Now let me cover this. Most Christians don't work, they attend. Oh, again, Tom, that's easy for you. You have the mic. You get all the glory. Mm -hmm. I get a lot of stuff. <laughs> Let me, let's look at this now. I just said many, most Christians don't work, they just attend. What do you mean, Tom? Well, what thing has God given you to do? He hasn't given me anything. That's because you don't ask. Yet you have not because you ask not. Ask him. Lord, what would you have me? Everyone, everybody repeat this prayer after me. I hardly ever do this. But today I want you to pray this. Are you ready? Lord, what would you have me do? I ask in Jesus' name. Done. He'll tell you. And you know what? That next morning, next Sunday, I can't sing a note, but I'm going to be leading worship from the piano, which I can't play. <laughs> that's how Christians think. And if they don't get it, that's it. I give up. Because we look at success as the person that's got the microphone in their hand. It's not success. You're just doing what you're called to do. We who are teachers judge more strictly. James 3 1. You sure you want that? Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. But you also get double honor. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. See, I know the Bible. I do get you guys are the greatest, most respectful people on the planet, right here in this church. I'm not kidding you, the greatest. Seriously, I have no complaints. It's very easy to pastor this church. Couple of yahoos come through every now and then. I usher them out the back door, and that's the end of that. <laughs> if you want to be a stupid idiot, you're not going to survive. You're not going to survive here. You're going to be a distraction. Bye bye. So you're like a, you're like a gnat to me. <laughs> that sounds mean, but listen, you're, you're the one who's choosing to be stupid, not me. Me Gnats have the brain the size of a COVID particle. <laughs> you want to be that? You want, you want to fly above the radar in this church? That's on you. But a lot of Christians, they don't, they don't work, they attend. Because the very first thing, now you just prayed it, if you prayed it honestly. Lord, what would you have me do? Well, what would it be? I don't know. People come up to me, Tom, what, what, do you need anything at the church? And I love you guys. I love you. And I love the heart. But you know how I answer those people every time? I don't know. First of all, I don't even know what, I don't, I, honestly, folks, I'm telling you the truth. If it was me that was running this church this morning, there'd be no air conditioning on. And it'd be pitch black in here. And I'd be screaming because I don't know how to turn the microphone on. I don't know how to turn the lights on here. I have no idea how to turn the lights on. Aaron does it. Hope can do it. Because Aaron taught hope. I have no idea. People go, what would you have me do? I don't know. I do what I do. I'm basically the male lion. 
I do nothing all day. And if hyenas show up, I take care of Bennett. I don't know what they do around here. I'm a very, I'm, I'm a very non-micromanaging person. Unless you are galactically stupid, you are fine. You'll be fine around here. But they come up to me, what, what would you have me do, Tom? I have no idea. Where do the gifts come from? There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit, they come from the Holy Ghost. I don't, why are you asking me? I don't know. You pray right now and you say, Lord, what would you have me do? Now, what are you, where is he going to start you? And it doesn't matter right now. I don't care if you're 80 or 8. He's going to start you exactly where you need to start. And look at me in the eye now. It might not be. And as a matter of fact, almost 100%. It's not going to be what you want. Because what you have wanted, you haven't done what it takes to get there. I want to preach in front of a couple hundred people. Well, then you got to grind it out in front of 20. And maybe for years. you got to deal with the things that I've dealt with. Hey, Tom, start a young married couples ministry. And you're stupid enough like I was at the time to go ahead and do it. I was already the youth pastor, pastor, and partial worship leader. And I'm going to start another ministry. And I was working full time for the Sarasota County Sheriff's Office. And then the very person who told me to start the ministry didn't come. <laughs> yeah, Aaron's like, wow, yeah. Welcome to pastoring, all of you who want it. Preaching to a dead crowd over and over again. That's, we weren't always like this. There was many a Sunday that there weren't even crickets chirping and you could hear the crickets chirping. Family, friends, lifelong friends, people you vacation with turn on you. You sure you want all that? But God will give you an assignment. Where am I, putting, where am I getting this from? Matthew chapter 25, verse 21. Most Christians will never cross this bridge. I'll close right here. His Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few. The reason why they don't have these verses is because I didn't give it to them. It's on me. I threw this in at the last minute like I do all the time. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Matthew 25, 21. Most Christians will never cross that bridge because they will despise small beginnings. They will despise them. I want this. And I want that way they, their entire life. They do nothing. Because they despise the very first step of where they want to go. He may ask you, you know what you need to do today? Humble yourself. Small beginnings. Will you do it? He may tell you today, you know what, it's time. For, like I've been telling you for a month now. Keep your mouth shut at the Bible study tonight. Instead of puking out your depression to everybody. And puking out your, your failures as successes. Instead of having to dominate every last second of any sort of gathering. Keep your mouth shut. There's your small beginning. Will you do it? Whatever it may be. If you are, you see how quiet it is in here, right? God says, you know what? 
I have my kid in the children's ministry. I'm going to serve there. I'm going to have to not be in the sanctuary for, what is it, one Sunday every six weeks or something like that? Somewhere in that. People won't do it. You have to beg, borrow, and plead to get people to serve kids. Why? Because there's no glory in it. Seriously, look at me. Seriously, there's no glory in it. Nobody's going to go back and thank you. Tom, that's, again, it's easy for you to say because you get glory. I do. You're right. But again, I served as an usher, youth worker, yard maintenancer for 18 years. How about you? How about you? That's, too, that's beneath you, right? That's why, that, that's why you don't have a ministry. If I wouldn't have done those things, I would have never even known that I was called the pastor. I didn't know I was called the pastor of church when I was 18 years old when I got saved. What did I do? I got saved. I sat in church for a while. Then I began to serve, and I never stopped serving. Day in, day out. You know a lot of you struggle with? You won't even show up to church regularly. You think, you think you're going to have a ministry? Oh, that doesn't matter. You're religious. Really? Is that what the Bible says? Is that religion? Do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together is a every Sunday choice. Not, well, I come uh, 30 out of every 52 Sundays a year. That means you forsook, 30, you forsook 22 of them. 22 times you disobeyed the word of God. And a lot of I want ministry. I want, no, you, you're despising small beginnings. Show up. Today, you want ministry? Come down here instead of sprinting out the back door while I'm praying. You're welcome. To go who knows where. Ask your, always ask yourself the question, why am I going? You ever do that? See, this is when I knew that I knew, needed to, let me forget about that, Aaron. This is when I knew I was supposed to retire from law enforcement. I started when people would pull over and ask me questions. I'm at a crash scene, you know, dead body over here, smashed up, lives destroyed, and a person pulls up. Um, I heard there's a Chick-fil-A at this exit. People come up to me, I'm on the interstate. The most dangerous place you can be on planet Earth as a cop. Ain't no shooting. You can run over, more cops get run over than shot. And you're standing out there, and you got part of the road closed and part of it open, so everybody's going by at 90. And I have somebody just stop in the middle of the interstate. Um, is this the, is this the exit with tire plus on it? And I started, this is what I knew I was supposed to retire. I would start off, I'd get, let me ask you a question. What on earth, when you see everybody else going by, you know, slightly slowing down for all of the blue lights, what on earth makes you think that it's the correct decision to stop in the middle of the interstate with cars coming up behind you at 100 miles an hour and ask me about a tire plus? When they run over your flares. Excuse me, ma'am. The flares were there for a reason. And that reason wasn't for you to run them over. Because you had to make a right-hand turn. When you, get, when you have adults, when you're at River and 41, and you close it down because you have a massive gas leak that could go off at any minute, yeah, and people come up to you, how am I supposed to get home? 
Because 41's closed? Uh, let's look. You can go down the interstate to Northport. You can go down River Road to Northport. Why are you asking me, as a 58-year-old woman, how am I going to get home? What? I actually said that to people. How, what are you doing? There's more than one way to get the Northport, dummy. If you want a ministry, right back here. Go talk to human beings. Well, you know, I sat there and nobody talked to me. You'll get talked to. Maybe you need to sow some time. I used to do it. I'm not even Mr. People. But every single church I ever went to, the, the, the small beginning is to avail yourself. And then stop thinking of it as availing yourself to the church. The church is the body of? And the temple of the Holy Ghost. Go avail yourself and eat free food. See, I'm, I'm not really getting that great of a response. You should see the facial expressions. You won't do it. And then you're like, where are the miracles? Who are you gonna, who are you gonna lay hands on when you know nobody? I used to know a woman who would call called herself a prophetess. You know why she called herself a prophetess? Because she was. You know who she prophesied to? Nobody. She literally was a prophet. But because she refused to ever have a soul over to her house, good luck. Who are you going to prophesy to? Well, you know, in the Bible, they had large crowds follow, following them. That's after Jesus sowed seed. He started off in synagogues alone and being harassed by the priests. Who do you think you were? By what authority do you have? Man, I need to preach this more. Will the world worship team make your way? I'll finish up right here. So let me ask you this. In closing, if your tongue speaks death, what are you going to do about it? Closing right here. We're going to go. We're going to look at Matthew 12, 34, Proverbs 16, 2 and 3, and we're done. It's 12, 18. I'll be done preaching at 12, 20. That good? What are you going to do to change it? Because this is where we'll launch next week. What are you going to do? How do you change your tongue? Look at me. How many of you will acknowledge, you can just nod your head so I'll be the only one who knows that you struggle with what you say. What are you going to do to change it? I'm going to change what I say. That ain't going to work. It's not going to work. How do you become rich? Save money? No, you give away money. You got to do the opposite. If you want your tongue to change, you have to change what you do, not what you say. And what you do will change what you say. Where on earth do you get that from? Here it is, Matthew 12, 34. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you can change that verse very simply because heart and mind are synonymous in Scripture. For out of the abundance of the mind, the mouth speaks. How do you change your mind? By changing what you do, not by changing your mind. You, real repentance is what? Real repentance is a change of the mind brought forward by a change of action. That's how you change. You want your mind to change? Change your actions. Start to, start to do the four essentials. Prayer, Bible study, worship and fellowship. Every single day, your mouth will change. 
You actually tithe, your mouth will change because he'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. That's how it works. It really is. There it is. I'm done. That's how you do it. Because I never want to leave you without a nugget of some sort of action that you can take under progress. That's what you do. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise you, Lord. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Praise you, Lord. If you need to get right with God this morning, now is your time. Right at this very moment, now is your time. Everybody seated, every head bowed, every eye closed. I mean, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. I'm looking around. Great job. If you need to get your life right with God this morning, now is your time. I'm not talking to you, struggling Christian. You're kind of in, you're out of sin, but you got your life right right now. It's not you. Talking about those of you that have fallen away into a lifestyle of sin. Not a struggle with sin, a concession to sin. Talking to you right now. Backslidden believer. It's a hell-bound state. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth and the sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Hebrews 10, 26 and 27. So I'm talking to you. I'm talking to those that have never been saved in here. Instead of spoken to the backslidden believer who was saved and has walked away, now I'm talking to those that have never been saved or even people that have pretend that you're saved. Nobody knows. It's between me, and your, me, you, and God. I am your only witness. Nobody's looking around but me. You're like, Tom, I don't want to acknowledge that. You'll think less of me. This man can't think less of you. I can't be disgusted by the very sin that I have to be saved from. I've been chief among sinners myself. I've had to turn when I've backslidden. I've obviously had to turn from sin over and over and over again. Don't worry about what I think. The only thing that I think is when your hand goes up is rejoicing. That's the only thing I think. If you need to get your life right with God, I'm not going to have you come forward. I'm not going to take you to a back room. All I'm going to ask you to do is right where you're seated, right at this moment. If you need to get your life right, slip your hand up. Right where you're at, slip your hand up. Look into my left. I got you. Look into the middle. Got you. Look into my right. Got you. Anybody who wants to be a late arriver, stretch that hand up right now. There you go. Amen. You put them down. Those of you who lifted up your hands, the entire church is going to pray this prayer with you out loud. Out loud. It's as easy as can be, but you just direct your prayer directly unto Jesus. In all of your sins, backslidden Christian, all of your sins, brand new believer, are forgiven. That's all you need to do. That's it. It's a prayer of repentance. It's a prayer of commitment unto the Lord. It's a prayer of coming into covenant with that forgiveness, with the mighty God of Israel, who offered his son as the forgiveness of your sins, as the propitiation, the sacrifice for your sin, the spotless lamb for your sin. He says, you know what? You've sinned, but I'm gonna pay the price for you. All you have to do is put your faith in me. Pray this prayer and you are recommitted or you are saved. Everybody in the room, Lord Jesus, I ask you right now to come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins and I now turn from them and I give you my life from this day on in Jesus' mighty name. Church shouts. Yeah.
Amen. Praise you, Lord. Stand with me. Now look me in the eye. We're going to close out right now. Look me in the eye. How many of you are ready to move into the spiritual realm? Now listen, as we pray, we are Psalm 33 sixing this thing. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Now listen, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Every blessing in the spiritual realms is yours. All you have to do is speak it by faith, which is what we're gonna do right now. Are you ready? Every hand in the air, even if you're not comfortable doing it. Don't repeat this prayer, just pray it with me. Lord, we receive out of the kingdom of heaven. We receive healing. We receive restoration. We receive open doors. We receive closed doors. On our businesses, we receive prosperity. On our lives, we receive prosperity. Every single effort that I put my hands to, I receive prosperity. I receive the greatest days of my life being ahead of me right now. As a matter of fact, Lord, I prophesy it in Jesus' name because I know prophecy is speaking the truth of the Word of God. And I unleash the Word of God. I unleash the power of the Holy Ghost in my life, and it's going to be the greatest week of my life. In Jesus' mighty name, and the church shouts, Amen. Thank you for listening to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope that you have been encouraged and empowered. If you would like to partner with us, please visit foundationchurchfl.com and click on Give.